Hello, welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Today I'm joined by Kevin Dolan, who goes by Bennett's Phylactery on Twitter. You've probably seen him. He is a fantastic leader of our thing and our space. And he's the man behind the Exit Group, which is an organization that helps right-leaning men thrive outside our totalitarian corporatocracy which is something I have a ton of experience about. And he and I have chatted about this before. Um, hi, Kevin. Hi, good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so I think you're the perfect figurehead for uh, elements of our movement because you were fired from a very fancy job after being doxxed. And that happened about a year and a half ago, I think. And yeah. Um, what I found most fascinating about this was in in Alex Kashuda's podcast, you referred to the people who doxed you as a ring. You said like the yeah. ring had been active for a while. Um, so we'll get to that just in just one second. But I also just want to get out that you are a, a Mormon. And um, part of the reason why you kind of came to the fore was that you were a leader of a movement called the Desnat movement, which is just a Twitter movement. People, of course, framed it like it's this insane, you know, like blow up things thing, but it's not at all. It's just a bunch of people like us, like asking questions on the internet. That's all it is. So, people are, people are going to be mad if, if, uh, if I don't correct you on me being a leader of the movement, okay, that's, that's going to be very funny to the guys. <laughs> what are, are you I mean, I mean, I mean, it was a hashtag, um, it, you right. know, it, right. it was a hashtag. It was a hashtag. And, 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 and like, there were some guys who, uh, who got like big heads about what that meant, but ultimately it was, it was like a group chat and a hashtag and they made memes. So, you know, uh, I, I guess, I guess uh, I, I would, I would deflate that, that image in your mind a little bit, totally. but, uh, but no, I mean, yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was me and a bunch of friends and, and um, who met on Twitter. Um, and basically what, what happened was is like a couple of our guys, uh really pissed off some people uh and and eventually attracted the ire of yeah fair to say a, a, a ring a, a doxing ring i mean it was it was uh all of the big antifa accounts that you would expect to pump something like that everybody was involved in pumping it and it was definitely not just targeting me it was targeting uh like a dozen people and um, they very clearly had connections to, I mean, there's, there's, there's certain journalists, uh, both here and abroad that, uh, are at every single one of those Antifa protests in Portland and are very clearly, uh, affiliated with those people, even though they would deny any explicit affiliate. I mean, they would deny that it's even a thing. They would say Antifa is just anybody who, who hates fascism. Uh, you know, which is, you know, PR obviously, but, uh, yeah, a coordinated, uh, attack on, on several people. That's, that's what I mean by a ring. Um, and, and they, you know, they had a website that, uh, had, you know, pictures of me, pictures of my wife, pictures of my kids, pictures of my house. Um, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was pretty scary for a minute. And, uh, but it wasn't just me. It was it was a lot of people. And basically what I what I decided to do, I had a lot of people reach out to me and say, 
what can we do to help you? And some of them, you know, I probably could have taken any of half a dozen opportunities uh, from, from, cause I was a data scientist. So I was lucky that I had like, you know, the data science, maybe not so hot now, but, but back then you could get a data science job. And um, I thought instead of me just taking one of these opportunities, what if I bring this group of people who want to help? Cause you know, some of them wanted to help me in particular, but some of them just wanted to, were just mad about this issue, right? Mad about the fact that people couldn't speak their minds. And, um, and I said, what if we brought these people together to start helping each other and, and helping each other preemptively, proactively so that we just don't have to, and it's not about, it's not, the cancel culture is like, not what this is about. It's about being beholden to people who despise you yeah, and whose values are totally contrary to your values. And, uh, one of the mechanisms by which that uh, hurts people is, yeah, you can lose your job for things you say on Twitter, but it affects, I mean, it affects every dimension of your life Yeah. when, when your ability to get food and your ability to get healthcare and all of these things are dependent on uh, people who want to destroy you and brainwash your kids. <laughs> yes. That's what we're up against. Well, I mean, you and I are both working on on different projects that are attempting to provide an economic backbone to the disaffected men of our society. And, you know, if you look at a, you know, the electoral map of young men, uh, particularly married men, it's like 100 percent Trump. You know, it's like, like if you look at what the electoral map would look like if it was, you know, just men voting. And so it's like we have this society that democratically, obviously, we are not happy with and obviously certainly causes us a great deal of uh, anguish and harm. And nowhere is that more felt than the workplace. So reading this exposure document there must be some like communist era word for this like blacklist paper or something like it's this paper so it's on exposed desnat d-e-z-n-a-t dot no blogs dot org and it's oh don't 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 give him the link don't give him play well i'm just saying like (laughs) i I don't want to not no and not for me not for me i because i'm easy to find there's other people so yeah sorry I, so I just, I don't go there, but, but let me just tell you what it says on this, on this thing is, is so like, well, in preparing for this episode, what I wanted to say is, I think we experience the, you talk a lot about God and meaning. I think we experience the like results of evil a lot. We see chaos a lot, right? Which can be a result of evil. Chaos can also not be a result of evil, but we see, you know, like when I go to downtown LA and I see the homeless people, they all, they have a certain like order to them, even though they are chaos, right? It's like they have, they, they always do the same things. You know, they always, they always, I can always see their butt crack. They're never wearing a belt. They're always screaming. And so like, why are they always doing these same things? You know? So I think that's chaos and people mistake chaos for evil a little bit. When I'm looking at this thing that was written about you, it just, I get this overwhelming feeling that I'm looking at evil Mm. just because of the way it's written and the way it's lying about you. 
it's lot it is a it is a sheet full of lies about you designed to harm you you know what i mean it's like it has first of all you said somewhere else that they told you about this beforehand just to like hold it over you like just to like hurt you and like make you afraid yeah just to stretch it out stretch out the uh the 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 torture, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, what it actually did is gave me time to prepare. I mean, prepare. Mis- mis- right, cal- right. miscalculation on their part, but, but, uh, no, I, I mean, uh, watching, honestly, like watching what it did to my wife, my wife, Yeah. she's, she's a little bit too pure for this world. And to see somebody, uh, say those things about me was really, that was tough on her. She, she actually, um, she stayed up like all night that night uh replying to my haters on twitter (laughs) (laughs) that's good though that's a good good one Uh, yeah Yeah. no she (laughs) yeah she's hello Uh uh-oh of like going to bed at night knowing that there's a tiger in the jungle and uh and because what i didn't know i I mean i knew i was gonna get fired like I can get fired. That's fine. I didn't know because like the guy, the, the one of the journalists that's connected to these Antifa guys, like he prepared a report for, for German intelligence. And my name is on that. And so it's like, yeah, it's like how, how, uh, who, who is involved in this and how bad do they want to hurt me? You know, well, but so that that's just what. So first of all, there's all sorts of personal details about you in here. They're also just straight sure. up telling lies there. So there's one part in here that I just want to highlight where they say under the perceived safety of anonymity is when Kevin Dolan's racist views really come to light. Dolan views certain races as scourges or forces of evil. And then they're talking about this tweet that you made that literally says something that is like completely not racist at all i'm trying to like pull it up right now but i'm having like internet problems but i i just want to show like okay it's that the tweet that you had was not enough talk in the church about scourges forces of evil who nonetheless have a divine commission to punish hubris the assyrians the romans the lamanites the mongols the spaniards yoko ono which is hilarious (laughs) to resist these destroyers without repenting is to fight against god no fucking person, uh, frigging person on earth reads that and thinks you're racist. Not, not <laughs> it's obviously a joke. You're throwing it. It's, it's like what, you know, it's like, anti-Italian discrimination. Yeah, it's as like, they right, say. Oh, the Spaniards, you're going after the Spaniards, you know, like we, we're, we all need to be really worried. So like it, I, the fact that they would write that on a piece of paper and try to destroy you with it is just straight up like elemental historical satanic like witch hunt like uh totalitarian like orwell type evil to me like and i I, it's just so rare to read something like this so i guess what i want to ask is like do you really think this is just a random group of antifa person people or is this like funded by somebody bigger than that uh and we live in exciting times i i really have no idea um, and that was part of, uh, that was part of my fear was, was really like, like, uh, who's, who's, uh, who's Cheerios have I pissed in? And, um, you know, because basically, uh, it's, it's people who, 
I mean, they could get me fired with impunity uh, and there was nothing I could do about it. And, and, and to, to know that like you could, they could reach out and touch you on that level and, and you would have just no, no recourse whatsoever uh, was, was very humbling. And, and uh, you know, you, you spend a couple of weeks with a rock in your stomach yeah, and um, not, not eating a ton, not sleeping a ton. And one of the things that I can offer to guys who, and like, you know, you don't have to pay me for this. If you're having this experience and you reach out to me, we can talk. Um, uh, One of the things that I can offer to guys who are in that situation is just like, Hey man, you're, you're probably not eating, right? You're probably not sleeping. I've been there. It gets better. You're going to be all right. You're going to be glad it happened. Um, yeah, ultimately you're going to, you're going to, this is, Oh, I mean, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who this has happened to who hasn't said, man, I'm sure glad they kicked my ass out. I having to stay because you know who, you know, who sabotages themselves like People who people who post anonymously online and they say shit that everybody knows you're not allowed to say, they on some level, what they're saying is my life inside the box is not worth is not worth it to me. I don't want to live in that box. Yeah. And 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 so I'm willing to to take the because what's a tweet like what is the upside of a tweet like what's the best case scenario for for you saying some some off the wall shit on twitter like there's there's not re- like you go viral i guess who cares like especially if you're anonymous like i got i got i got uh, quoted on t- tucker once um and i was really excited but i was anon so like it, it's not like i'm going to get invited for an interview it doesn't like that's about as good as it gets. And, and so really what you're saying is please throw my ass out. Please expel me from the system. It's self-sabotage is what you mean. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, it's, I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying, listen to what you're like, watch yeah. what you're doing and, and, and interpret that. What does that mean? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I've experienced this on a much tinier level just in you know i just don't keep my mouth shut in the workplace so it's a matter it's just a matter of time but um so like when i when i read this and when i listen to some of your other stuff when i read this thing and again i just have this overwhelming feeling of evil why i've noticed something in our space and especially with really really intelligent people like you where like why can't we just say that our opposition is evil? Like, why can't we just say, like, th- why can't we just say that? And then why are we always trying to, like, explain them so much? Well, I think. I think there's value in both of those frames. I think. um you do need to understand malevolence and you also need to understand what makes what makes a person turn to malevolence what makes a person uh 
how does it look inside their head? Um, be, because if you can figure out what it looks like inside their head, you can predict their behavior a lot better than if you just act like they're just Satan. Yeah. Right. Um, because, uh, I mean, for one thing, um, human beings have limitations. They lose, uh, one, one of the most beautiful things about, about, uh, that I get to tell guys who get doxxed is like, they're going to forget that you exist. Like once they've shot their wad, you know, they, they really can't punish you any worse. And, uh, and so I, I think, I, I think it's useful and, and it's funny because, uh, if, if you've got a big account on Twitter and you pay and you take one of those frames you're going to have 20 people in your replies being like, you asshole, they're not just evil. They blah, blah, blah. And if you say, oh, no, they're explainable, they're going to be like, hey, you asshole, they're just evil. Like, <laughs> right, right. you know, yeah, you can't you can't right. win. Yeah. Uh, and, and but it's it's worth exploring both. Definitely. No, I, I hear what you're saying strategically. I just think like. Um, you've said as much on Kashuda, you've said like there's, we reach a point where what they're doing or the things that they're doing become it's just this kind of, there's so many factors together that you stop being able to describe it as anything besides either God or the devil. And it's actually really funny. The tweet we just wrote, wrote because read that tweet is about that. Actually. You're saying that like the forces of uh, evil that not evil the forces of like violence and history that create change are in fact god right that that's kind of what you're saying and unless you face those things as a repentant person you're acting against god yeah god uh god often sends the destroyer right um and 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 yeah, the thing to do in response to that is get right with God and and then fight, you know, fight, but but don't don't try to don't try to just fight. You got to you got to figure out why God sent the destroyer. Right, right um, exactly. And this is exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. So so my, I yeah. guess in, in you know in, in Hasidic or uh yeah, Hasidic Judaism there is no evil. It's just distance from God. It's like the the first, uh -huh. it's just the light gets darker and darker and darker and the darkness looks a certain way. And that's why like, uh, you know, um, the word for, uh, for, uh, atonement is actually return because it's like returning back, you know what I mean? Into the light from the darkness. I don't know if I believe this personally. I, I like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I fully like believe that, but I guess my question is, how do you distinguish between, is there a difference between the uh, Spaniards and the Romans, in your example, who are perhaps God embodied or God's will? Is there anything that is actually separate from God that truly is evil? Well, I mean, I, I think that... Uh... It's uh, it must needs be the defenses come, but woe to him by whom they come. That scripture. Um, 
Like I think the I think the Assyrians when they were uh sticking rings through children's noses and ears and dragging them across the desert, I I think they're going to be accountable for that, but I also think that uh that the conquered peoples had a part to play in making that happen. And uh and God says as much. And uh and I think it's just it's it's exactly what I'm talking about with Antifa. Like I participated in my in my destruction my immolation right um we were we were collaborators on that and uh and i did you know i i spent that two weeks really searching thinking because i i basically said you know i i have to have god on my side or i i just this is so much bigger than me this is so out of my control. The people that want to hurt me, I have, there's nothing I can do. And so I said, God, if they're right and I'm, and I'm a vicious bastard and I, you know, and I need to go apologize to everybody, uh, show me, help me, help me see it. Um, and, and, and you, you know, like everybody's got things they wish they hadn't said. And, and the conclusion that I came to was that was that God was not God was not um, on the side of my accusers. God was not uh, God didn't believe they were telling the truth about me, uh, but God was in what happened, right? Because because it, it it led to so many good things. And I mean, the fact is I was sitting on more money in yeah. cash than I had ever had before. And, and, and why, you know, like what, why did it just happen, happen to happen right then? And, and when I was in this position to take advantage of it and, and now we've helped all these people. And I'm like, clearly unambiguously that, that to me is miraculous. Um, but but it's it 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 it's not um the thing that i the thing honestly the thing that i felt the need to repent for was was staying in that horrible job staying <laughs> in that in that in that disgusting and 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 swallowing right. it you yeah. know just just taking it in the teeth yeah. every day like like I, and and I and I I talk to the guys about this, and I don't want I don't want to put words in God's mouth for them, right? What I say to them is like I I I believe that some of you are like living below your privileges, and 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 being less than you ought to be. And you know if you if you take it up with God and He says no, I actually want you in the cube. I, you know you'll never hear a word one from me about that again. But just examine that. Just just take a look at it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So anyway, that's that's how I feel about it. I think so many men are so miserable because they're spiritually in these jobs that, again, as you said, you just have to eat shit all day. And yeah. it's it, you don't really notice it, you know, and I think a lot of guys think that is my job. My job is to eat shit, which it is actually now. 
you know, like it's a total lie that your job, particularly probably, I don't know how serious what you were doing was, but when I was working in the main, it wasn't. Yeah. Like my job was to eat shit. Like my job was not to produce anything actually. I would have been better off if I had spent no time doing creative work, just written the first sentence that came out of my mouth. And just eating shit really well. I, I would have been like the king of, you know, I would have been the, the chief creative director. Um, So because we live in a world that's the way it is, I, I don't think it's always been that way. You know, I, I know you're not a fan of the, the longhouse metaphor, but I, I'm not sure that that's what it is. I have worked at definite longhouses before just because marketing is like like that. But I do feel like probably in the past there was a little bit more dignity towards the work product you were making or maybe not i mean maybe that's never been the way it is right i mean people say oh it was always about backstabbing and backbiting and you know the guys in the business suits it was all politics so like has it you know is our time actually any different now i don't know i don't i don't i don't necessarily know that it is i i I think i mean first of all i'm kind of a history's bunk kind of a guy like i i don't necessarily uh I don't know how much can really be known affirmatively about history, but, but uh, as far as, as far as the long house, uh, I actually, I actually am a fan of the metaphor. Oh, you are. I, I just, thought you were uh, not, you didn't like it. No, no, no. I, 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 I like it as the metaphor. I just think that um, what I, what I maybe, if, if I have a, a, a thing about BAP's sort of worldview that I think is, is, is complicated or, or that I would elaborate on. I think that there are hierarchies that are healthy and, and that are, and that are mutually respectful that, that you can be, that you can be in a subordinate position with respect to another person and not resent and despise them. And you can be in a superior position to someone and not have contempt and disgust for them. And um, I see the longhouse as when the forces of resentment take over everything and, uh, and it's 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 the 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 weak and the sick and the stupid mobbing up against the strong i think that to- that totally happens i guess what i would say is i think that it's kind of like the 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 uh the the alpha how they how they sort of debunked the alpha male concept with yeah. wolves you ever right. heard about this yeah. yeah yeah it's like not like the strongest it's the well, it's the in the, it's the dad. Know, it's the yeah, okay, right. It's the dad. Yeah. Like, like in the in captivity, if you put a bunch of unrelated wolves in a pen, then you will see this alpha structure emerge with with, and it's it's this sort of brutal process whereby there is conquest and submission. Um, but in the wild, they they live in families. And and I, I think I think humans are the same way. If you put us in a healthy environment, it's uh, it's the tribe, it's the kin group, and and um, 
the longhouse and also this like this like murderous pirate uh, uh, reaction to the longhouse. Yeah, I think those are both man, and 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 maybe maybe what he's saying, and maybe what I can agree with, is that the murderous pirate is the nemesis. It's the response to the longhouse, and then everything burns down, and you can right. start over fresh yeah. in a more healthy way. That's probably true, but I don't think that's the only uh, that's the only view, if that makes sense. So there's something outside that view. Wolves, as you're saying, it's actually the families, right? And you've talked about your hens. I actually had never thought about what a pecking order is before. And you say that on one of your podcasts. So you're saying that when hens are just by themselves, they they do this hierarchy thing and they fight a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And then when a rooster comes, they just yeah. They they stop because they just know the rooster is just don't the rooster, it's rooster and everybody else. Right. And it establishes kind of, yeah. it, it, it established. I mean, it, it's, it's unambiguous whenever so the most dangerous situation that, that you can be in is like, is like, it's un, like all wars basically are because somebody miscalculated who was strongest. And so if it's close, there's likely to be a fight because both sides will think they can win. Yeah. If, mm-hmm. if it's unambiguous, I mean, that's, that's what Pax Americana Pax Romana is. It's just, there's a top dog and everybody knows it's a top dog and nobody's fighting. And yeah. basically what we're seeing unfold now is that is being called into question. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, but I think I find that interesting, both those metaphors with the, with the uh, hens and with the wolves, because, and also the fact that you're Mormon in both of those examples, there's a gender thing that you, it's not all roosters, right? It's one rooster and a sure. lot of hens. What? Sure. And same sure, with the yeah. wolves, right? Because with the wolves, for the dad to be in charge, there has to be a, uh, like every single young male, whatever, can't then go and become the alpha, right? Some have to not be the alpha in order for the numbers. They to run work. off. Yeah, they, they run, run off. off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what do we do about those men, right? I mean, what do we do about the the roost? What ha- actually, like, literally in terms of like biology, where do the other roosters go? Do they just all die? Like, how do what happens to the people who don't become the the rooster in the? Oh well, I mean, I, it depends on again. Like, we're talking about domesticated versus wild, and we're also not chickens. We're not exactly like chickens. I mean, yeah, of course, of course. It, basically, your 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 ideal scenario with chickens is like eight to ten hens per rooster. Um, if you have less hens than that, then the roosters are going to be too hard on the hens. They're going to try to mate with them all the time, and they're going to stress them out and 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 make them uh, exhausted. Yeah. Um, and if you have more uh, hens than that, then basically, sort of the the control will get weaker, and some of those hens will kind of take on the rooster role in their own little pack, and and it'll be this really chaotic uh, uh, female only space uh and basically i i think though that that humans actually are more sophisticated and 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 one of the ways that we live in more complex because because what what wild animals do is they just uh they either uh get penned in and are much less healthy and die or they spread until they can't spread anymore and they start to die 
and human beings, the way that we uh, we're able to operate at a much greater level of abstraction and to, and to hold more human, more, more human minds in our own mind, more relationships. And uh, that's, that's sort of the root of, you've heard of Dunbar's number. Yeah. What is that again? What I have heard. Well, of so they, they, they measured, they measured all these primate brains, all the different species of primate. And they compared that with their, default like what's the average size of a troop of baboons what's the average size of a troop of chimpanzees what's the average size of a, whatever it is of gorillas i don't know what you call them but uh if there's basically a a straight line of like if their brains are bigger they have bigger tribes and the human uh if you, if you plot humanity on that axis it's something like 160 170 <laughs> that you can and, keep track uh, of. That you're like like members that your brain can like actually keep track of. Right, right, yeah, right. And and to organize at a greater level than like that could be like a like a a, a tribe, a, a very sort of organic, um, without a need without the need for a lot of abstraction. Um, and and what you see basically like like the the sort of um the bat model of how civilization began and also like the, uh, the libertarian and communist model of how civilization began is always the stationary bandit. It's, it's somebody uh, imposed their will by force and started demanding resources of, of the, uh, of the, the oppressed and, and BAP says that's good. And communists mm. and libertarians say it's bad. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, I think the proto civilization is Abraham. I think it's it's a uh, a very prolific, very productive, very charismatic family, and and uh, you know if you, if you want to if you want a likeness of that, the movie Dune, where you've yeah. got these these retainers who clearly have this loyalty to this family, yeah, and it's it's like they're not um, they're not part of the family because they're they're in a subordinate position, but the family. They are possessed by the family. They 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 are owned by the family, and they also own the family in a sense. Right, like banner um, banner bannermen in uh, Game of Thrones, right? Like exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and people frame that like it's uh like it's just rich people uh, uh, making excuses for why they get to boss people around. But I would love to be a bannerman. <laughs> would you like to be a bannerman? Would that be yeah, cool? Definitely. To, I like definitely be have a. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah, like there's nothing, there's nothing dishonorable or, or like, you're not a cuck by, by being in a subordinate position, uh, well, in, and in Nietzsche, a great house. Yeah. Nietzsche would certainly agree. I mean, Nietzsche has said, you know, he's says the best leaders are the best followers. You know, you have to be fully, um, completely obsessed with either role no matter what you find yourself in he, he's certainly not saying you sh can only be outside um, yeah which is really the communist instinct right but then again the pirate instinct is also in a way anti-hierarchical so it's like it's it's all these these dueling kind of things and it's impossible to tell uh which one is which well oh. and the the yeah the the feudal system like if if you ever look at like look up like uh, feudal oaths, what people swore to, there's very clearly like a it's an abstracted uh, father son relationship. Oh, interesting. It's uh, 
it's you are you are uh and and there's love like love is expressed in these feudal oaths like you you are you are promising to love your lord and he's promising to love you um and and there's a basically what we've done is we've created this like social technology that allows us to abstract out the instinct of fatherhood to create these systems and then the feudal system got so big and so fractalized uh, that it that it started to collapse, and then we had to go to a further level of abstraction, which was the nation, the patria, mm-hmm. which patria comes from the root for the fatherland, right? Yeah, right? And then your 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 filial duty becomes your duty to the nation, and that's about as far as you could abstract it out. Because then we had the civic nation, which is like the civic nation is everybody who like assents to this set of ideals, but like, what other connection do we have? Like, what if we start to disagree? Like, and that, that's basically where we're at. Like our, our, our sense of identity, the, the, our ability to abstract these instincts has reached its limit and we can't connect anymore. So in, in Scientology, there's this, uh, you know, they do a lot of like mapping in Scientology of like who you are and where you are and stuff. And one of the things they map in Scientology is there's four quadrants and it's globe, nation, family, self. And every, okay. they, it's something like that. I'm probably getting that slightly wrong, but every person has like a different blend of loyalty to in each quadrant. Like some people are completely obsessed with humanity, you know, like they, yeah. they're, they're totally like preoccupied with humanity. Some people are completely selfish. Some people are family, absolute family over everything. Some people are my nation. I'm ready to die for my nation. And one of the things yeah. they test you on is like, which one are you? You know, are you which which way are you oriented? Which I always thought was kind of cool. And it seems like you're talking a lot about that it's these levels of, of abstraction but all these levels of abstraction are rooted in the original familial instinct yeah yeah i think so and it's uh because that's i mean that's if, you, if you're trying to think about like what is the what is the 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 evolutionary pathway of loyalty like what makes people loyal if if you think about us as animals, well, the evolutionary pathway of loyalty is is I, I want you to succeed because your success because we're cousins, and 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 our genetic I want my genetic line to survive in whatever uh, whatever degree it can. Obviously, it'd be better if my genetic line survived, but if by mobbing up with my cousins, it's that Arab proverb, me, me against my brother, my brother and I against our cousins and me and my cousins against the next tribe. And yeah. like, it, th- those are the concentric circles. Right. right. Uh, and it's just, it's just closeness to uh, the, your, 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 well, it's, it's uh, Dawkins, the, the selfish gene. It's your, yeah. your stuff wanting to survive. Right. Um, okay, so before we, there's another topic that's related to this I want to talk to, but before we move on to that, I forgot to ask, to give you a chance to answer this, which is, you know, there's this <laughs> blacklist paper out there that has all of the sins you've ever committed on it as a as a thinker, as anti-Semitism and racism and sexism and every ism that is on there. So in terms of the isms, like how 
racist are you? Like how, <laughs> you know, like, I just want to ask, like, where do you stand on all this stuff? I disavow racism. I disavow racism in all its forms. Um, to, to, I, I think part of where we are at as a culture is we are so committed to absolute egalitarianism on every axis. Like that's such a load bearing structure in our culture that we're not willing to ask even the most basic, obvious questions. And uh, do like, do I think that we are different? Yeah, I do. I do think we're different. Do I think that, uh, do I think that race uh, can be detected uh, in, in a, in a clustering algorithm in pretty much the exact same way that you and I would cluster people by race. Yeah, they've done that. That works. Um, you know, do I hate people who are different colors? No, like that's, <laughs> and that's, that's the game that they want to play Yeah, is they've got this word racist that maps to, uh, you know, basically characters in movies they've made yeah yeah that i just i just hate you because you're different and go back where you came from and like and that's they've mapped that word onto a false concept and then they've remapped it onto uh notices who does the sprinting in the olympics like (laughs) those are not the same thing those aren't the same thing and and uh and so you know, uh, I think that that game is going to destroy America if we <laughs> let them continue to play it. I, I think, yeah. and I mean, and I mean, uh, they do the same thing with with sex. It's uh, yeah. If you if you notice that, like, uh, fellas open a lot of pickle jars, that's the same thing as like this like madman grab ass thing. And- well, but the, here's where I run into trouble because I I like okay, I obviously completely agree with everything you've said about the races, right? And it's like um I believe in what the founding fathers said about it. I, you know, every man is created equal, right? Like I obviously every man is not created the same and that's not what they meant anybody who thinks that that's what they meant is a complete idiot they weren't saying every man is the exact same and deserves the same outcome like that's so clearly not what they meant they're trying to say in the eyes of god every man is equal right it's not like there is any person who's born on earth who is like in some inherent metaphysical way superior to anybody else right like and this is kind of the, the rooster and the chickens thing like in comparison to god None of us is like a little farther ahead because we're born in some way. That's obviously true. Yeah. In, in at least as far as I'm concerned. Of course, white people are better at some stuff, black people are better at some stuff, obviously, right? And maybe right now in today's world white better people are better at more stuff. That's even possible. Wow. And in another world black people would be better at more stuff. You know, it's always whatever it's constantly changing. When it comes to women though, You've said stuff before that I completely agree with, by the way, and this is very, um, you know, rooted in in uh, all kinds of religions, which is you said something great, which is man proposes, woman disposes, which I love. I think uh-huh. that's great. I'm sure you've I don't know where that's from, but um, 
Originally, it's man poses, God disposes, but uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Whoops. Be- because because <laughs> women are women are the. Uh, I, I think Jordan Peterson is right that women represent nature. Well, women what represent I would... the judgment of nature. Yeah, sure. I I think it's like the man is man is the spark, right? We're the sperm cell, and woman is the nurturing force. And certainly, I would never ever say that men that makes men superior to women. I don't believe that at all. But we are different than women. And so it's like, like on Kashuda, you got a little bit uh, gun shy when she said, so you're just for men. Exit, your group is just for men. Yeah, exit's just for men. Yeah. So why is it so hard to just like say that? Like, why can't we just be like? Well, I was feeling her out for starters. What? I was feeling her out for, I was feeling her out for starters. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know her that well. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and, you know, how careful do you have to be in that conversation? But, but, uh, I would say what I, what I don't want people to get the, 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 the mistaken impression that the, the lie that I don't want to tell by omission is that this isn't a problem for women or we don't want to help women or I mean, what, what I want to tell them is, uh, I don't necessarily like if, if you're in a if you're in a shit job and your kids are like in daycare and they're like coming home with suspicious bruises and like sick all the time, I can't tell you how many women I know who are like that. It's like look at what you are trading. Like look at the look at the the opportunity cost of your email job. <laughs> uh, and I mean. And I mean, like, that's that's such a sexist sentiment that I'm basically quoting Elizabeth Warren, who was the Democratic, uh, she was yeah. a Democratic candidate for president. Right. So you uh, think Warren said that, exactly what you just said at some point? I mean, no, not exactly, but that's in from the two-income trap. Right, right. Yeah, the yeah. the two-income, you, you ever heard of the two-income trap? Yeah, oh, totally. I'm in it. I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the Well, trap. that's, I mean, that's 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 her book. And she, she wrote a big right. study about, like, how after you uh, after you account for the extra car, yeah. uh, the house that's in a safer neighborhood and a better school district because you're not raising your kids. The school system is raising your kids. Yeah. And after you account for yeah, just, I mean, childcare alone, yeah, it, it ends up being the case that like the, the woman's uh, added contribution to the household income is like $10,000 a year. Yeah. And it's like, and I, you know, so, so, so why really is it just for it guys? Works. Well, it's because, yeah, it because I don't want two incomes. I like I, I I don't think that that's the answer. I don't think that's the solution, especially because of another thing I believe in, which is that we ought to be having lots of kids. Yeah, and uh, it makes zero economic sense after kid two and a half, uh, basically to to uh, to have both both parents working. Yeah, um, I just had Peachy Keenan on here, and she has five kids also. And she's, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, you should talk to her. She's very much the same conversation. Um, but I guess, I guess what I want to say though is like, <clears throat> isn't so much of the issue, like the difference in this, you've said a lot before, and I agree with you when you say this, that something is coming, something is going to happen. There's no way we can continue down this path. Too many people are too unhappy. And there's a couple differences, though. 
now that I don't think we've ever dealt with before. One of those differences is abundance. People aren't hungry. And if people aren't hungry, they're not, they're going to be so much less inclined to, you know, uh, vote a certain way, whatever you want. <laughs> Let's not fed post, but, you know, do sure. anything crazy, right? Sure. Another thing, though, is women are in power now. Like, I, I don't think yeah. that's ever been the case before. There has never been this many women in hardcore positions of power before. And so this, like, time around is going to be very different and I, it, than, than it was before. Because, men, we have this inclination, and we'll get to rationality in a second. But men deeply have this inclination to protect women, to be nice to them, to not argue sure. with them. And to care for them you know, and to, you know, to, to be a good guy. We all want to be a good guy. It's the most human thing possible. We want to be a good guy towards women. But we have this insanely difficult problem where, in a way, women are our enemy. <laughs> like, I hate to say it that way. Obviously, woman isn't our enemy. But this power structure is, like, extremely uh, gynocratic. So it's like, do you agree with that? Here's what I would say. People, a lot of this is just egalitarianism. And and what I mean by egalitarianism writ large means uh, everybody's equally suited for positions of power. And what i see what i see happening is not that women seem to be really empowered and really getting the things that they want um actually so so my my mom i'll i'll I, yeah i can i can tell this story um my mom is 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 she she always worked and 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 she's a you know a professional and uh she's had mixed feelings about like me running this boys only uh, fraternity. And I, I got to have this extended conversation with her. Uh, she's in town a little while ago. And I, I told her like, look, look around and, and, and look at what this is doing look at how people are feeling. Like, do, do they seem happy? Do they seem like they're getting what they want? Uh, is, the, are they doing this because it's their uh, like will to power? It's the, it's, it's the deepest part of them that that's what they want. Or are they feeling like the sense of obligation? Like, like, like if I don't get the email job, the bad guys win. Yeah. And I'm not like, I, I can't, I can't tell you how many women I've, I've talked to who've said that, like I'm letting down the team. If I don't go, do, you know, and it's like, fuck the team. Like, it, you know, it, it's, it's, and that ultimately, um, whenever you, whenever you insist upon egalitarianism, what will happen is the reality will be inequality. And when that reality surfaces, you can either reject egalitarianism or you can embrace a model of oppressor and oppressed. 
because if they don't deserve, if there does, if if there's not a merited hierarchy, then it's an unmerited hierarchy. And what is that suppression? That's what that is. And so, and 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 to be clear, like I don't think clean houses get roaches. Like I think I think uh, the the all of these movements since the since the sixties. And you know they didn't start in the sixties. It's it's, it's uh, they 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 started because of 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 real grievances that people had and real uh, real problems. And that doesn't mean that it's any in any sense a move in the right direction. But like, um. I guess what I would say is like with, with, with me and my wife, um, I, I lead, um, but I'm very consultative. I try to be, I try to, I try to include her in, in all these decisions because it's, uh, I think you mentioned game of Thrones earlier. Um, one of the best lines from those books is, uh, uh, it's the wildling woman. And she says, uh, uh, a man can own a woman or he can own a knife, but not both. <laughs> and, and the, the point, the the point she's making, it's a great line. well, the, the point that she's making is that you can't go to bed next to a subdued enemy. Like nobody wants that. No, like, and, and that, that goes for all of these hierarchies. It's so much better and so much easier and so much more gets done if you have actual genuine consensus and you won't always have it. And so, so like, sometimes there has to be just a decider and there's nothing wrong with that, but like you, you have to operate by consensus and you have to, and, and the, the, the leadership job, if you're doing it right, is not obviously easier than the follower job. Like it's, everybody has to act well their part. Well, I mean, and I think basically the the reason that we're the reason that we're enemies now is that just that the, the, there's been this constant uh, cycle of mutual defection, people people breaking the rules and 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 screwing each other. You mean the reason and, why men and women uh, are enemies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I think but, I think uh, everybody's like been like... damaged. Everybody's been damaged, but we're still saying that and we're, you're getting it from the Bible and so am I to a different degree. We're both saying, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, the you know, hierarchically speaking, it's the man is the father, is in the position of primary power. And then the woman is following. Subordinate. Yeah, subordinate, right? Which is like, of course, because of the way the world is now, we all think. Well, who would want that? You know, like uh, who who wants to be subordinate? Whereas you and I believe, and it's like impossible. I I can't lie. I believe that's the way it should be. I don't know if yeah. I believe that's the way it should be from the Bible, or if I just have a connection with God that I always have had, and it's just comes through that way, or if I look at the world and it's extremely obvious to me when I look around. Yeah, but all like, three, I would say. The way it is right now, like with women, I, they, how are they ever? I mean, what would your mom say to that? Like, well, what would my mom? Oh my god! If I ever said <laughs> that to my mom, forget it. You know, I mean, she would start crying and, and you know freak out. So it's like I think I think I think my mom sees the way I treat my wife. I think but what would what you say if to. you said you, your job is to be subservient to your husband? 
Well, I mean that like that it, it you're right that it's a deeper conversation. Yeah. It's oh. it's deeper than it's deeper than men versus women. It's more about I mean you're 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 I think you have to pan back and basically say like everybody everybody has a stewardship. Yeah. And everybody is accountable for their stewardship to somebody. And uh, I mean, one in, in our church, uh, that there's there's lots of fractal chains of 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 stewardship and accountability. And uh, I think the way we deal I, with I, it, I think I you think, just have to get comfortable with that. I think the way we do it is to simply like look again. It's not even really about the man you know making the woman subservient to her him it's really about let's do it the elizabeth warren way let's do it the leftist way which is to say look every woman knows as soon as they have babies they are the baby is a part of the woman for the first like you know six months to a year of time every woman in the world no matter how woke maybe not every single one maybe there's some exceptions but unless you're truly alienated from reality most women understand innately when you have the baby, you know, my wife comes from the absolute wokest possible upbringing, as do I. And she immediately was like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving the baby. Like, I absolutely do not want to leave right. at all. So it's like, I think we just say, look, you're getting duped. Like by not I've seen, yeah, mother, you're getting, you're, you're not, it's all you're doing is switching your subservience to the family to your boss that's all you're doing and that's stupid yeah Yeah. and um i I think you've you've touched on i mean you can you can look at the way that uh married women vote married women with children vote right Uh, it's 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 transformative yeah and uh the the speaking of (laughs) okay close the door i'll be out in a bit we didn't see her you can cut that or not i don't care we we didn't see her so okay um what i really believe about all that um in in genesis it says thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee and i think those are linked i think uh i think desire is the key and uh oh yeah because yeah, if, yeah. If you look at if you look at Fifty Shades of Grey, if you look at Twilight, if you look at uh, women are not averse to being in a subordinate position. They really are not. It is deep in the blood. They would like to be in a subordinate position to the right guy, to the right guy. And and uh, they're reading all these period novels about bygone times when you could be just really subordinate to a guy uh, yeah. all the way. And. <laughs> And so, and so to, 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 to act like they prefer it this way, this egalitarian way, when they're like settling down in the bathtub to be in a different place, (laughs) I, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And so, and so I, you know, I think part of, part of why, uh, the, the accusation of being a cuck uh is so bound up with this like uh sort of having a feminist wife situation is is because i think that uh i think that men who can uh lay it down the right way 
exert an anti-feminism energy all around their person mm-hmm. that just deactivates feminism. Oh, yeah. And 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 women uh women like to have their feminism deactivated in my experience. Yeah. And uh so so I I fundamentally I and this is this is uh this is probably one of my more bap like takes. I I think the solution is Dionysian. I I mm-hmm. think uh I I think um, you need to reawaken women's erotic imagination and you need them to, and you need them to uh, trust you with that, uh, which is like, those are two very separate, very challenging problems. Right. It will, uh, the, right. The, the safety and the sexual thing. It's like kind of there. And there's no, and there's <laughs> it's not an obvious policy solution for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how you craft that into law. Well, but, somebody uh, once said that about fame. They were like, fame is the absolute most crazy aphrodisiac to women because it both comes with like total safety and total like uh, idolization or whatever you would say. Yeah, you know? subordination. Like, total sure. subordination, right. So it's like, that's why fame is just women cannot resist because it comes with like both of those things. Yeah. Um. Okay, cool. Well, there's. A, I, I want to keep going here just because I definitely want to get to this, a, a few other questions about rationality and irrationality. And the way I want to go in there is you have a podcast that you released last year called The Frontier Was Always Closed to You, I believe. Yeah. And it's really good. It is well, a really, you. really good podcast. You, you break down Albion Seed, I believe, which is a book that yeah. is about the four folkways of colonial America. And how each one of these different ways is a way to escape from like this rotting tyrannical overlord, which they were dealing with, of course, in England. And so the four sort of like teams, speaking of Game of Thrones, the four like tribes are the Puritans who were imagining like up in New England. There's the Cavaliers who are down in Virginia. There's the... um, the Quakers who are Pennsylvania and then there's the border reavers who are, we're imagining like West Virginia or, you know, like wherever the Scots Irish ended up settling. Um, And like each one of these groups kind of has their own characteristics of why they were successful. And uh, so I guess like, I just want to know like, um, what were the different tactics that each one of these groups used? And then we'll talk about it. Uh, okay. So off the dome, yeah, I, I think about this for a second. <laughs> uh, the, the Puritans were uh, essentially trying to wall off, like create a walled garden, basically that was governed according to their rules. And um they had, you know, variously friendly and unfriendly relationships with the government in England, which was more or less under the control of sort of uh, friendly factions uh, in England. But uh, but their vision of freedom was: we get to make the rules. We we own we own the beach. We decide what you're going to wear to the beach. And uh, that really resonates with me because I think. Uh, the problem with sort of pure libertarianism is that you're not, well, I guess 
pure libertarianism, someone's going to get mad at me for deciding what pure libertarianism, but, but like a total like values free libertarianism where everyone should just be allowed to do what they individually feel like doing. That's not freedom to me. That's not because I won't be free to raise my family the way I want to, because the thing that I want is this collective thing and not collectivist, but it's like me and not just my family. It's, it's like, I, I have things that I want to accomplish in the world that require some cooperation. And that cooperation is really, really hard to secure unless there are some rules. And, and I think the Puritans uh, had that figured out, even though they were otherwise really obnoxious. Um, and not necessarily obnoxious in like the Hollywood way that they're treated, but, but uh, more in like the uh, sort of in your business, nosy, like, like, BLM mom on Facebook kind of <laughs> way. But uh, anyway, um, Quakers, same. Quakers uh, uh, basically just had like a nagocracy, just rule by nagging. <laughs> and uh, and uh, what there is to like about them is that when they were in, when they were in England, they were very uh, principled and very like they would not tip their hat to a lord like if their their landlord passed him on the street they'd like shake his hand and like they're very they were very like committed to this like i'm you're not better than me uh thing and they and they got and they got their shit kicked in for it and you know you got to respect that you know that's uh that's conviction um and i basically that's that's kind of how they did things like they just sort of uh uh, they were they were like out there doing their thing and and if you didn't like it you know, they, they could just take a lot of punishment. Um, and it actually worked out more or less for them for a while, which is surprising. Like you would think that they would just get knocked over, but they didn't. Um, they're like the ultra liberals. They're like the leftists, basically. They're the communists. They're the most. Well, I mean, the, basically I, I would say that, I would say that liberalism today, if it has cultural roots, is it's sort of, yeah. it's sort of an alliance between the Puritans in terms of like their their model of of how do we make decisions because yeah. the quakers it was like total consensus it was like everyone must agree about everything or we're not doing anything <laughs> and and yeah. which actually works out if you're in a minority because you don't necessarily but but puritans is like if 51% of us say that we're going to jump off a cliff then we're all we're by gosh we're yeah. jumping off that cliff yeah and 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 very like local direct democracy so like your alderman would be in charge of like what kind of cornflakes you're allowed to eat. And, and, and so that like invasiveness and that like everything should be decided by the democratic process. That's kind of from the Puritans, but in terms of the values, the values of like free to be you and me, um, that's more Quaker, That's kind of but uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's like a paradox there, but, but, but here we are. Um, the Cavaliers were basically trying to recapitulate the, uh, the aristocratic system here in here in America. And what I like about them is uh is they had a grip on 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 hierarchy. And uh and George Washington was was essentially king in his and all of these planters were essentially king in their little domain. And and their their form of government, like the House of Burgesses, was almost like this confederation of uh little little kings and uh 
they they stayed out of each other's business by and large and uh that to me is very appealing um obviously none of these are none of these are idealized societies like you read this book and you don't necessarily want to live in any of these places <clears throat> but there's just there's bits and pieces you can take and then the border reavers are kind of like orcs they're kind of like uh they're kind of like monsters and that's where all oh, my family's my favorite. From, right? i feel like they're like the cowboys. oh they're fun cowboys. they're cowboys yeah yeah and they're like like uh they, they got in trouble in congress because they would whittle on the chairs they would uh, they would, they would like cut up the chair, pocket knives um and like start fights and and, and show up drunk and like they were just they're just a mess uh oh, and nice. and very entertaining stories um and they're they they really epitomize the like you can't tell me what to do get off my lawn yeah um american like the reason that we still have 1a and 2a in this country is the border reavers it's because they're that. like they were they're like we will just yeah we will just strap on a vest before we give up these guns it's like and, the Comanche. Uh, do you ever see uh hell or high water where they're talking about the Comanche. Oh, it's favorite. favorite and they, I love that movie. And he says the Comanche means enemy, enemy of who? Everybody. <laughs> it's like, that's the Border Reapers were like the Comanches. They were yeah. just totally like, uh, do not mess with us. Total war, you know, complete war people. Yeah, yeah. And and so having them to go fight the Indians was kind of a match right. made in heaven. They, uh, they, they loved to fight those Indians. Right. And have sex with those Indians and <laughs> and get drunk with those Indians. Like they just just sort of uh, wild people, yeah. and uh, yeah, lots to, uh, but not necessarily people you'd want to be neighbors with. You know, <laughs> that yeah. would be tough. <laughs> uh, so when was this exactly? Because it, it, this was when was all of this happening? That's prior to the revolution. That's yeah. uh, that's in fact in fact long prior. So like. I, if I remember right, obviously like the Puritans and the Cavaliers are coming, like Jamestown was basically Cavaliers and, and, uh, and, and the Massachusetts Bay colony was the Puritans and the <coughs> Pennsylvania colony was the Quakers. Yeah. Um, and I think the back country was sort of pop, like, like those were sort of discrete waves of migration and then the borderers were sort of coming over as indentured servants into Virginia, but then there was too many of them and they weren't like really doing what they were like. They were just really hard to tell what to do. And yeah. so they kept just getting like expelled, pushed West, like you go deal with the Indians. And, uh, and, and so it sort of extended over this long, cause they were just sort of the, the, the plebeians, the sort of, uh, surplus labor, uh, uh, but but it was all it was all you know, seventeenth century, mid eighteenth century. Yeah. Okay. So right, we're talking like a hundred years or so before the revolution, or, or maybe a little more. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I love the border reavers. I it's it's great because it's like we see a little bit of ourselves in each one of them. But I'm just like my favorite are the are the, the crazy border guys, and I think um, yeah. One thing that you said about them when in, in your great podcast was like they were totally irrational, you know, and it's so funny because now we're dealing we're always talking about the the, the leftward march of Chihulu, which I still cannot say. And the smart guys in our sphere, Yarvin and this guy I had on the distributors, they all say that the lineage of that leftward marching thing dates to the Puritans. 
That's this Massachusetts group that, and you put it perfectly. It's 51%. It's rationalism, rationalism. It's like utilitarianism, which is like, you know, it's fine on its own, but taken to its extreme, we see how terrible it is now. Right. I, I don't know if I necessarily, again, I'm kind of with you on does Shahulu really always march left? I don't, maybe in America, but I don't think in general, like whatever. Um, the opposition to that, you know, we're, I kind of think we see them a little bit on a spectrum is these border reavers who act completely irrational. Like if you kill one of them, they're going to spend the rest of their lives just trying to kill you, even though, even if it's totally irrational, even if it's like bad for them. Right. Um, so like that kind of total war strategy, that kind of like gang mentality is, is completely irrational, but it's also like in a way it is rational because it makes people not mess with you. It's like, and then they're not going to mess with you later. It's, it's game theoretic rationality. Right. right. And that's, that's, uh, I mean, that's how it started. Right. I mean, because the feudal or not, not the feudal system, but the, but the feuding system, the system of blood feud in border culture is a holdover from the borderlands of Scotland and England and, and, and a little bit of Ireland because you were in this situation where, Nothing was defensible and people's your, your stuff was just constantly getting burned down and stolen. And so people didn't really build anything. They just sort of they li- like lived in the dirt almost, and, you know, stuff that they wouldn't mind too much if it got burned down. And uh, and without any kind of organized, predictable, trustworthy law. The only way to be left alone was to be perceived as dangerous beyond all reason because if somebody's if you know uh let's say let's say somebody's like 70 30 outnumbering you right and they figure they can get your stuff they can get your women like they're like they're gonna win if they if they pick a fight right like you might be in a situation like that but if you can be like no i'm gonna like hide in the bog and I'm going to like rip your guts out while you're sleeping. And I'm going to like, go find everybody that looks like you. And I'm going to like, like if you can, if you can build this reputation for just like blind, unreasoning, never ending vengeance. Yeah. Then, uh, then maybe that 70, 30 doesn't, doesn't look so good. And maybe they back off, you know? And uh, like, they got to be really sure. They got to be really sure that they got all of you, you know? Yeah, you better get and, uh, right. But, yeah. Uh, so, I, and you I see wonder... that you see that in Arab culture too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically uh, any any environment where uh, all, basically all marginal peoples who who live on marginal land where uh, defense isn't really possible, and you have to be you have to sort of mob up and and you have to sort of take the law into your own hands. You see similar structures of 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 blood feud and uh, and uh, game theoretic violence. Game theoretic. So so without trying to put too much of a rationalist spin on this irrational behavior, do you, you've talked a lot about the irrationality of following God. So, um, you've kind of said that like. Uh, there are times in your life where 
there was one really great passage in, in the, I think the beginning of your first episode with Kashuda, where you guys kind of talk about this thing of like the rationalists. So we're talking about these rationalists of today, like the uh, effective altruism type people who are sitting around thinking of all the ways to like run society best. They're like, oh, we need God. God is a great organizing. <laughs> it's a great organizing force. So people should just believe in God for a rational reason. Sure. But your position is that like, you can't do that. Right. Like you no, I mean, like, I mean, empirically, you can't do it. I mean, you, you watch people try. They don't succeed They, they because uh, God, God asks you to give more than it makes sense to give. Right. Um, right. I, this it's, is the, it's yeah. always it like you, you have to be paid back in miracles. Like you can't like and and. And you can't be, if your orientation is around, uh, if your orientation is around like civic cohesion or whatever, like you're always going to be better off cheating. Like it's great. Like Jack Kerouac had the, Jack Kerouac had this experience. He goes into all these, it's the, it's the dawn of the automobile, right? And all of these little towns are wide open that have never had strangers in them. And everybody's known everybody since forever. And they've never had to lock their doors. And this guy shows up and he just goes from, just goes from city to city, just screwing everybody's daughters and taking money for jobs he doesn't do. And, and like, he's, he's just a huge piece of shit. And, and, and of course, counterculture loved this guy. Um, and and basically like whether okay so whether you want to be a good guy or a piece of shit like there is a strong incentive to go live in a society where everybody else is a believer because if you want to be good and do good things well it's just easier for everybody to trust each other you get things done it's very it's very frictionless it's very simple and if you want to defect and screw everybody, you do that too for a while and then you can move on. Um, but it, it, there's no, the only mechanism against defection in that cohesion environment is God sees you. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you and you actually want to please God, and you actually, uh, you right. actually want to do what's right because you believe that that's the purpose of your existence, and that's which what you're here com- on earth to do. Yeah. Which is completely irrational. That, that, that's exactly like the point I'm trying to get at here. Is that actually it's like pre-rational? Yeah. What I'm what I want to get at is that <clears throat> people would see the Puritans as the civilized ones, and the the border people as the uncivilized ones. Yeah. But actually, and this goes back to Nietzsche, and this is like fundamentally what Nietzsche believes, is the most weak part of humanity, the most animalistic part, the least like godly part of humans is the part that we usually mistake for the godly part. 
Mm. Like, well, we, we think, and you, you talked about like the turn the other cheek thing, which everybody, you know, all the people who aren't Christians who say these things from the Bible, like turn the other cheek and, you know, the, love thy enemy and, you know, the Caesar coin thing or give to Caesar. Right. What it says. <clears throat> all these things, we think these pity elements are what makes us better than animals, but actually mm. the pity part is the most animalistic part of human beings. Because it's the mm. most rational. It's like the most, we get the most out of it most clearly. Whereas yeah. the people who are actually the most godly, I would say, act the least rationally. Because as you just said so well, the belief in God is actually pre-rational. It's actually like the least utilitarian thing about us. Because it's not this calculation. It's it's pre-calculation. It is... It is um, a relationship with something you know is there that you can't ever touch. Yeah, I mean, you can touch in a way, but you can't articulate it. Yeah, it's bigger than you. It's too big. It's too big to be apprehended. And um, and I think that, yeah, on the subject of like probably my biggest frustration uh, with sort of the online religious thing whatever we're doing on twitter is these guys who uh they'll call me a fake christian because i don't accept the nicene creed and the athanasian creed and everything but then when you hear about like what they mean by being christian they mean that they like they like argued themselves into this like this like autism about like <laughs> it's god god is a ray god is a line segment god is a tetrahedron like it's it's this very like abstract like thinky thing that they're doing. Like they, 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 they've, they've built what they've done is they've built a very elegant model in their brain. And they're like this model. So friggin' good. <laughs> and, they, and they like worship, they, they worship the model. They're like, how, how could it not be God? It's so elegant. It's so perfect. And it's like, that's, you've clearly made that up. Like, Wait, can you just explain, to... can you explain a little more what you're talking about? Because I'm actually not like familiar with, Okay. So, uh, it's, it's the idea of, of Plato and the forms and like, and like God is the ultimate, the thing that everything trees up to and like, and like, there must be a God because if there wasn't a God, then there'd be something greater. And then that would be God. And it's like, it's like this, like infinitely recursive, like, like they're, they're like trying to trick themselves into believing. And it's like, nobody talks that way. Like you wouldn't talk that way about anything you actually believed in. Like, does your mother love you? You wouldn't be like, well, it surely <laughs> she must because of it. Like, it's just you know, let, let me draw part. on the chalkboard. Yeah. Why that? Yeah. Like, right. like if you if you know it, then you know it. And yeah. and and God is someone you can know. And I think that uh, um, it doesn't mean that you can encapsulate that you that you can uh, that you can uh articulate but you you can know god you can have that experience you can you you can see visions and dream dreams and uh and nobody who has had that experience talks that way where they're like where they're like empirically logically rationally there must be yeah because they're trying well unless i guess the only other argument is like maybe that type of person that is how they 
that's how they experience it. You know, I mean, maybe just the way their brains work, that's, they have such a narrow little thing. It's like, they have to, they have to go, you know, build this crazy thing to ever actually peek in. uh, And, and like, well, and that's, that's what I think that kind of thing is good for. If it's good for anything. Yeah. If it gets you to take the problem seriously enough that you can, that you can uh, get on your knees and make contact, then, then, that's fine. Yeah, like yeah, there yeah. are people like I, I had to do, I had to do a fair amount of that. I had to, I had to like big brain my way into just taking the question seriously. Uh, lots of smart people have to do that. They just can't stop there. So, cause you, that you came up as a Mormon and a missionary and everything like that. Is, is, that's what you mean. So uh, you I, I, to... I didn't grow up in a religious uh, home. Oh, but, you didn't? Uh, oh, okay. No, but my, my, my grandparents, my mom's parents, um, our LDS and, and, uh, so I would go to church like once every six months or so. And, um, basically, uh, I, I, I started to go to actually early morning seminary, uh, during high school before I went to church. I didn't, I didn't really go to church, but, uh, um, it was every morning I would go, uh, learn about scriptures. And then, uh, after high school decided to go on a mission. And, uh, I actually had to start like going to church so that I could qualify to go on a mission. I hadn't, really, I didn't really figure it out that she needed to go to church to go on a mission. And, um, so I did that for, yeah, for two years. And, uh, ba- basically, uh, I, I had my, I had my getting saved experience, which is not something that everybody in the church, uh, they can't point to a day necessarily. It can be something that happens over time and that's okay. But, but I, I mean, I had a, uh, I had a, I had a particular day. Uh, on the calendar that I could point to that like that was when it happened. Can, can um, we know what happened or is it private? Uh, I mean, in broad strokes, I'll just say, uh, uh, I had, I had a confrontation with my sins and I, I, I realized that I was, uh, inadequate to, 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 to overcome them. And there was, there was no, uh, there was no uh fixing it myself and i and i asked god to show up and god showed up wow. and uh and i mean yeah that's all i'll say about that for me i used to so i always like made little like deals with god even from very young age and my parents were both totally religious but i made this one deal one time I used to have terrible anxiety, like really bad. Like, like, uh, I couldn't be around anywhere. Like I had to, I would always have to like leave and go. And I did these like weird little like OCD things, like where I would like look at the clock for a certain amount of time and like, I would stop in a certain place and everything. And, uh, I, I I just was so anxious all the time. And I remember I didn't, nobody had ever taught me to pray. I just like prayed automatically. I don't even know. I just like it like prayed over and over again to like feel all the anxiety at once so I could just get it over with and then not have to feel it like slow drip. You know what I mean? Just like feel mm. it all at one thing. And then so then I wouldn't have it anymore. And one night I woke up in the middle of the night with like soul destroying, insane anxiety for like for, like five minutes. And I got up, I was really young. I mean, I'm talking about, I was like 10 or something. And I mm. got up and uh, puked. And after that, I was good for like the next like eight years. 
Like I never felt anxiety anymore. And I thought, I was like, oh shit, like, you know, this stuff really works. Like it's really real, you know, it really, it really is like, um, you know, if you can tune into it, I've been lucky and I'm very lucky. Like I, I feel like I've always had a very expansive relationship with God, but it's like everything in our world tries to tell you not to, especially in my world, you know, I, I don't know where you actually grew up. Like if it was in Utah and that was more acceptable, but. No, Texas, but uh, oh, okay, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's absolutely the case that uh, I mean, everybody's got the same internet these days. It's not uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of safe places. Um, and even when I was a kid, you know, it was uh, it was touch and go. But but I yeah, it it uh, I think the probably the biggest lie that gets told about that. And the biggest obstacle that people have is they're expecting. um, They are often expecting God to be a supernatural experience. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and basically if you, if you believe as we believe that, that uh, the light of Christ is, is, permeating your consciousness from the moment that you're born um then it's it's the water you're swimming in it's always there and you just have to learn how to discern it how to distinguish it from your own thoughts and inclinations and for me uh once i figured out how to make that distinction i started to realize that 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 voice that set of inclinations knew things that i didn't know and wanted things i didn't want and and aimed in directions that were mysterious to me. And then, uh, and then it became much simpler. Yeah. Once you can just serve that thing, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard though, man. You know, it's, it's very hard to. Yeah. Simpler, not easier. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Simpler, not easier. Definitely. Um, It's weird though, when you hit the right path, you know I mean? I think I, yeah, I don't know. We, we don't have to get too deep into this, but um, all right, before we go, um, you've said before, let's end with this because this show is ostensibly about propaganda, although it never ends up actually being about it. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so um, you say- That was we, pretty good propaganda. We had a good, we had right. a good uh, little propaganda uh, hour. Yeah, sure, sure. So you say um, we live in the most sophisticated propaganda environment in human history. And you actually just said this because you said everybody has the same internet. So what do you mean by that? And what can we do about it? Well, I think uh, basically the propaganda organs are picking up so much data and they're able to perform so much minute analytics on, on what sells and they're able to fail really fast. And, uh, just try out new things on you all the time. Basically just computational complexity, computational power has, has, uh, has increased relative to our brain's ability to resist it. And uh, just by long experience, you know, they've learned what works on people and, uh, and also by, by evolution, like, like the memes that, the memes that trigger an immune response die off and then they find other memes that don't trigger that immune response. And it just becomes more and more sophisticated. 
And I think what we're up against now is that basically the propaganda environment is it's not it's not just that it's sophisticated, but it's that it's that it's it has succeeded in turning us against reproduction. And which like that's the only way this process can be arrested is through collapse. Um this 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 propaganda environment is leading all Western civilization and eventually the rest of the world um, to extinction because no one's going to uh, I, I had a conversation with Malcolm Collins the other day he's he runs pronatalist.org and uh, he was talking about how assuming that the trajectory of Japan and Korea continues that the current uh, there will be 4.3 great grandchildren for every 1,000 living Koreans today. Whoa. Yeah. It's outrageous. It's insane. And uh, that's crazy. It's which basically means that 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 the Korean phenotype and the Korean civilization, the Korean culture is going extinct. It's going yeah, to die very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't replace that with Filipinos. It's they're, they're not the same. Yeah. Right. And, and even if you wanted to replace it with Filipinos, Filipinos birth rates look just the same. They're doing this. They're going. Shh. Yeah. And uh, they're behind, you know, they're starting from a higher baseline, but everybody's birth rates are doing this. And uh, Antifa will post that. They'll say that I'm doing a Roman there. <laughs> um but uh but uh <laughs> um this this basically what we're we're experiencing the filter uh and and whatever survives in this propaganda environment whatever way of life can iterate so that my kids choose to have grandchildren and their kids choose to have children and so on um that's what makes it through. And and part right. of what I'm doing at exit, I'm 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 building a community of guys who are concerned about that issue and who are trying to make themselves more sovereign so that they can resist that propaganda environment. So that they're not worried like cause because there's one, there's a couple ways they can they can take away your job. Um they can they can uh what they really threaten you with is is your kids. They threaten you with either, you know, we're going to take your kid away from you and cut his dick off or whatever, but, but maybe even more insidious when they say, when they say we're on the right side of history, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, what they mean is we're going to poison your kids against you. We're going to make your kids loathe you and despise you and everything you stood for. Yeah. They mean that's their own, promise. They mean we own history. That's what they mean. And they, I, that's a great point. That, that just clicked for me right now is they're so concerned about that because, yeah, they think that they own history. And that means that right. they own your kids in a way, you know, because they yeah. own the future. Right. Right. But, but I guess what I would say back is you just made a great point, which is the strains, the existing rare strains that are reproducing a lot right now in this yeah totally downturn environment mormons hasids you know like it's 
that isn't that like a, uh, the Taliban, you know what I mean? Like, like it's all these religious fundamentalists. So doesn't that therefore basically mean we're definitely going to win? Because it's like if ever, it, we're the only ones that are taking seriously the project of actually reproducing. So like, isn't that kind of like actually the biggest white pill of all? What I would say is someone's going to win. And uh, like it's either humanity or this. <laughs> um, and and uh, it's actually it's actually dicey with the Amish and, and the church, our, our church. Um, it's dicey. It's not clear. Um, I, I, I believe that there's going to be a colossal uh uh well apostasy is is the right word a colossal apostasy uh in in my lifetime and what is that uh, that means uh what is that exactly i mean people abandoning the faith people abandoning the faith and uh and yeah what's what's going to happen simultaneously is people will finally be um desperately poor that's going to happen in our lifetime uh because when 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 the economy shrinks and it's not going to grow again so so many of our systems depend on reliable permanent growth yeah Uh, that's true every all of our advanced planning all of our investment instruments depends on reliable growth and if if growth can't keep up, then there's going to be collapse and there's going to be extreme. Like the Japanese are trying to fight it with automation right now. It's not really working. Um, they just get more and more moribund. The, the, maybe the good news is that if if we're lucky, it'll happen over time and we'll see it coming and we can sort of uh, adjust our personal situations to accommodate it. But um, I mean, I mean, poverty and squalor and hunger, that's going to change people's relationship with, that's going to change the relationship between men and women for sure. Oh, like yeah. immediately. oh my God. In, in two um, <clears throat> yeah. Just, uh, you know, th- th- there will be a confrontation with reality and we have a choice about how we have a choice about how late and how sudden that confrontation is but don't we want this confrontation i mean it seems not to be an accelerationist but it seems like oh yeah 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 because 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 you want to you want to you want to catch the ball now and let it swing and 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 not uh not get hit in the face with it well um a lot of people are going to need to get hit in the face with it if they if that's the direction that this is going um yeah and that's that's like so we're we're putting together this uh this conference on on natalism uh later this year that uh we're basically looking for some answers yeah uh we don't we don't necessarily have have the answers but uh and and basically just i mean so partially it's to it's to search for answers but partially it's to just get the people who are problem aware in a room yeah so that they know each other and can maybe make some plans of their own well, a lot of that is happening. You know, there's a lot of IRL <clears throat> stuff that's kind of popping up. Um, I just did the yep. Devere, the Devere Ball. Speaking of, uh, what's that? <laughs> the Devere Ball was this thing that just happened in New York. That's like Curtis Yarvin and uh, James O'Keefe was there, and he read Shakespeare's 
kind of amazing. Um, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Just flawlessly read Shakespeare. It was unbelievable. It was Henry V. It's like the St. Crispin's thing. But um, Oh, wow. Yeah, more and more, it seems like there's we're getting together. I, I don't know. I think um, it's a very interesting question of like what's going to happen. I think the prediction that we're going to go back to scarcity, I think that would be great. I think that's exactly what we need. And I think that that's what you need to keep people honest. That said, I don't know. I, I think I don't know if we are going to go back to scarcity. I think that we maybe switched, you know, age of Aquarius, right? We switched to this new age. And now we've got a whole new line of monsters and a whole new line of problems. And it's like, it's all new. It's like, we're in a new, we're in a new jungle. And it's like, the monsters are totally different than what they were. Before. I mean, what would, well, what, what I think will definitely be different is it's not just going to be a return to scarcity, right? Because what's, what there's going to be is it's, it's almost like a zombie movie. It's going to be abundant capital lying around. And not enough people to use it. Capitalism, um, like machines that do things, like that type of thing. Yeah. 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 Land. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be, you know, what would it mean if home values across the country did what they did in Detroit? Yeah. Right. Went to like zero. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, like that, uh, that has pr- devastating consequences. Yeah, it also has opportunities, and and you're gonna have uh, you know, ten or fifteen elderly dependents to every productive worker. You're right, and 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 I think the uh, the hard conversation that I'm gonna have to have with my kids is like, you don't owe those people your life you don't owe it to them to enslave yourself to even to keep them alive because that's what it'll take if if you want to keep all those people alive uh even on a basic level eating eating cat food um you're gonna have to enslave the productive population yeah my 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 kids ain't going we're not no. doing that. Right. So that's that's gonna. I mean, I, I yeah, no, it's it's gonna be dramatically different. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, cool, what man. A warm place to stop. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it's it is. I mean, I don't know. I think I think um, it, it's I I I'm just waiting for the first. It just seems like we're so stagnant. You know, and it's yes. like it, there was a little blip like last year when I rejoined this whole movement of the vibe shift. And, it, you know, it was just a tiny little nothing. But it's like they have us so atomized and so frozen. And it's like it's so terrible. And like how it's going to be so hard once the first thing happens. I mean, Trump was arguably the first thing. But once the first big blow is struck, it's going to go very quickly, I think. But it's like we're all just waiting around, kind of, for like this first thing. It, it takes time for people to become problem aware. It takes yeah. time for them to decide what to do about it. It takes time for them to prepare. It takes time for them to coordinate. And so, like these are all the 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 action that we're all craving is this extreme lagging indicator 
right. of people just figuring out what the hell time it is. Yeah, right. And, Which uh, they are. I mean, they are figuring they are. more and more, you know. Which is, and that's they what are. our job is, is to make sure that they do. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Thank you so much, man. This was really great. Um, t- please tell us, and I'll put obviously in the notes where so we have exit, you have an exit podcast. So like, where are all the touch points? Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the exit podcast is on Spotify. Uh, it's exitgroup.us is the URL for the group. Extra dead JCB is my Twitter account. Exit underscore org is the group's Twitter account. Uh, and then, oh, exitgroup.substack.com for the uh, newsletter if you want to uh, get some updates on what we're doing there. I post the podcast there as well. So Cool. Yep, and the Natalist it. stuff? The Natalist stuff is coming down the road. TBD. TBD, okay. But that'll be this year. We won't say anything else about that. Okay. Cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye.